Hello and welcome to the menu on Monocle 24. I am Marcus Hippi. This week we take a deeper look into the world of hospitality. The Hive Conference brought together people who run almost 100 hotels and guest houses throughout Europe by Lake Garda in Italy last month. Monocle was the only media outlet permitted to the event and we got a sneak peek of some key ideas going forward. You have to hold on to simplicity, otherwise it gets out of control. And sometimes it's really good just to pair back and say, stop what we're doing, rethink, readjust, and engage with other like-minded people to say, you know, this is great, but you need to do this now and get back on track. We'll also hear the week's food and drink headlines and a dinner soundtrack recommendation too. All that's ahead in this episode of The Menu. Hoteliers gathered in mid-October for the fifth edition of the Hive Conference to exchange ideas and discuss the future of the industry. The intimate conference was organized by the Aficionados, which is an online hospitality resource working with small and family-run hotels. Monaco's Europe editor at large, Ed Stocker, was there too. Over to you, Ed. Thank you, Marcus. Well, I was recently in the town of Arco on the banks of Lake Garda in northern Italy, soaking up the last of the year's warmth. But there was, of course, some more serious business to get stuck into, namely the fifth instalment of The Hive, a laid-back conference bringing together hotel owners plotting the future of the hospitality industry as tourism bounces back after the coronavirus pandemic. In front of a large German-speaking contingent, in fact, from Austria to Germany and South Tyrol, we heard from a range of speakers with ideas about architecture and the physical role of a hotel, branding, imagery and more. The only problem is there's nothing happening. Is that? I mean, do you feel anything? <laughs> Proceedings were kicked off by the aficionados, That's the organisation behind the event founder, Ian Ainsworth. Ainsworth has a large trajectory in the hotel business and is also a former executive VP of Design Hotels. Monaco caught up with several of the key speakers from The Hive. First up, let's hear from Ainsworth himself chatting from the Monastero Arts Vivendi Hotel where the event was held. The Hive is a gathering of like-mindedness, I suppose you'd say, um, within the hospitality industry. We're here to discuss not necessarily the trends coming into the world of hotels, but more what's the consensus, which direction are we going to, what are the opportunities, architecture, interiors, client expectations, but also more importantly, I think, what else can we explore that we haven't touched upon yet? So the Hive is my non-conference or unconference of people that operate hotels that we work alongside. They're all uh, family-owned businesses that have visions and concepts and passion about what they do, and the purpose of the Hive really is to encourage dialogues through creativity through invited speakers to help stimulate I guess you'd say um, creativity within their own environment because it's quite hard when you operate a hotel on a daily basis very intense to look outside of the box and whilst they've all created something that's really special and unique you always have to be on your guard because there is a lot of competition that's following you so the purpose of the hive and, and the reason they are here is to open that Pandora's box and maybe explore something new Everyone that's here is a member of the aficionados picked by us for their um, concept and their hotel. Some of the messages that have emerged this morning and during the course of the day have been things like authenticity, 
and simplicity, which sound obvious, but actually it seems there's a lot of players out there, hotels that aren't doing that and they're perhaps losing sight of something. Maybe you can just give your take on that. People want to be authentic in what they do and it's a very much borrowed term and marketeers tend to apply this everywhere. But I think the people that recognise something that's authentic they know what they're talking about they're very tactile they're very interested in the concept behind it but as you mentioned simplicity is not simple to deliver it's very complex and it's about taking things back down to the basics so what is good food what is good service what is a bedroom what is a hotel what am I doing here you have to hold on to simplicity otherwise it gets out of control and sometimes it's really good just to pare back and say stop what we're doing rethink readjust and engage with other like-minded people to say you know this is great but you need to do this now and get back on track because people's expectations change so what was simple and enjoyable yesterday is not simple and enjoyable today equally you know who wants a stiff environment in a hotel you can still have offer a very luxurious experience but you can be relaxed about it and chilled what are you seeing as changes in the industry you've talked a little bit about how color is coming back what other things are we seeing i guess in this post-pandemic world i think one of the most important things that coming back which i certainly see because i've been in the industry for a long time is almost nostalgic in a way but it's hanging on to the heritage and the roots and those experiences not only are shared from our childhood but they also offer a level of comfort and integrity i see a lot of hotels moving back towards heritage tradition in a modern approach of course but looking and exploring what were the signatures of the brand of a hotel maybe three generations ago why is it we get nostalgic about the smell of bread in the morning what is it about that that intrigues us i i see this throughout materials i see this on design i see this in delivery of hotels within our portfolio certainly the hotels are digging much deeper into their own heritage the heritage of the building not, not only that but also their communities really it's about knowing the carpenter down the road and knowing where his supplies came from and how he maybe even can lend into the design and the concept of the hotel a lot of this talk of authenticity and, and design is very transparent people know this today and very aware of this they recognize truth in design and concept and the architecture and I think that's the most important thing is offering a product that I'm going to remember for the right reasons. Aficionados founder Ian Ainsworth there. Next let's hear from two of the people behind Monastero Arts Vivendi, architect Francesco Padavan and interior designer Nicola Panzani both from Noah Studio which has offices in Berlin, Turin and Bolzano. I started off by speaking to Padavan first. We thought about what is the real role about architecture in the hotel design because if you really think about hotels integrated in a city, in a fabric, you really have to ask yourself, okay, do we have to really build something new, new spaces, physical spaces, architectural constructions? Or we can work more with the people, with the owners, with what they think will be the guests to make like an integrated fabric of experiences, of services that can let the guests be involved. There's a great opportunity to like integrate some of the experience that the hotel has to offer to make your stay a quality stay. But all these can be like scattered all over the city and the city can be really your hotel. Uh, here at Monastery, I think it's great how uh, the owners are doing it and it kind of matches more or less what also we were thinking about. The format is that one of boutique hotel, so it's like a small experience, a small uh, reality, but that offers like special services and special character to stay. 
So as I said before, they wouldn't offer dinner at night, but they would give to you recommendation about every place around here. And that enhances not only the quality of your stay because you try different things and you're involved in different locations, but also lets the guests know everything about Arco, about the surroundings and let him experience things that are tailor-made according to his needs and his tastes. Nicolo, I want to come to you in one second, but I've just got one quick follow-up to that, which is, so this is in a way just rethinking the very idea of what a hotel is. It seems that it's thinking that maybe a hotel isn't simply a building. It's also how it extends into a community. And it also sounds in a way that your job, therefore, is not just architecture, but also a bit of consultancy about vision for what these places can be. I think it's bad if my work is just to design a room or to design a space for someone, which is just a sterile container for something. I should really get to know the owners, I should really get to know the clients, understand what their story is, and that's, I think, the whole purpose at NOAA. Also, our bosses are really struggling every time to really understand what they're working with and build a story out of that. So it's just really about making architecture something that's alive and not only a physical container for things. So if you really think it that way, you can maybe avoid volume, you can avoid spaces, you don't need so many physical spaces, you just need to be more integrated in what already exists. And it's also touching the themes of density, of overpopulation, of using the spaces that already are there in the city, for example, but they are not used. So maybe with more interaction, given that we are in a world that's pretty much interacting with itself all the time, that's a great opportunity to come out of the box and just say, okay, maybe architecture can really enhance a vision that's made for the future and interacting with the real fabric of a city or uh, surrounding. Nicola, let's talk a little bit about where we are, the venue for the Hive, this former monastery, which obviously you both worked on. Talk to me about, I don't know, the authenticity of this place, the work on it, the fact that this morning I heard the bell of the actual real monastery that's next door. There is very much a feeling of being part of a community and it's not fake so I just wondered what it was like working on a project like this and I guess the challenge of that because I assume the owners came to you with a brief saying that we really want some of that feeling of how this place was we want that feeling to remain when Stefan Manuel the owner of the hotel came to us in the studio and say yeah we have this building it's amazing it's an old monastery totally abandoned and we want to do an abutico cell inside just for the first time, they just give us this feeling. We can feel the feeling. And they they said us, yeah, it, it's an amazing place. It's nothing inside because there is no lights, of course. There is no electricity almost and no bathroom, nothing inside. Just wall, dark, shadows and stuff. And uh, it came up in our mind, how can we build an hotel inside? Because the first time here, it was January, maybe totally cold with cloudy sky. And it was yeah, really amazing, like impressive. What was this like? Because we're sitting in a very nice garden. There's a swimming pool not far from us. Was, was it overgrown? Was it abandoned feeling, even the outside area? Yeah, it was just a field, just grass, some trees and, and nothing all around. And we say, okay, maybe this can be the place for the wellness because there is all around a giant wall, like eight meters eight. And it's perfect to relax and just watch all around the mountains and feel yeah, relaxed. And then from that point, it starts the story behind Monastero. We're trying 
to to give our, our best to combine the two worlds between the old one with the nouns and with the minimal lifestyle they have and building inside an hotel so a totally modern stuff with people that sharing life and connections and experience and it was not so easy of course because we have to build up everything new but it was a really good challenge for us is that why you know the rooms they definitely have a calming feel there's tranquil color palettes and I noticed also the TV is hidden behind a cupboard was that sort of part of wanting to recreate or draw on if you like that feeling of self-reflection that perhaps this place had as part of its history the main point of course of the monastery because before every noun has a little room where just sleep and of course for making an also we have to combine two of them and one became the sleeping area and the other one is the bathroom. We want to keep the feeling that nouns doesn't have anything inside. And for example, they just have the bed just to, just to sleep. They don't need something else. Maybe just a table just to write something, just to pray and whatever, but then stop. And so we want to keep that feeling inside. So the people that came here, the clients, in a way, they, they need to feel that vibes because I think it's the main part of the hotel. I mean, it's the story. You have to feel it. Francesco wants to say something. Last time we were here, one month ago, I think, we went to eat in a restaurant owned by a friend of Manuel and Steffi. And she told us, oh, I really knew before the Monastero because she's from here. So clearly she has really in mind what the place was. And she came inside and she was skeptic at first because she thought, oh, well, they made an hotel out of it. So it just can be a normal hotel. But then again, she said she was really pleased and really uh, happy to see that the place could stay with the former atmosphere of austerity, of tranquility, of simpleness. And so she really understood what our purpose was. And hearing her saying that made us think, okay, maybe we managed somehow to do so and also regarding TVs we we at first didn't want TVs in the rooms because that would be the very monastic experience but of course it was not possible for such an hotel thanks to Francesco Padovan and Nicolo Panzani for that now imagery is a key component for any hospitality player looking to get their brand out to the world the problem is that there are plenty of boring or false photos on hotel websites around the world that do owners no favours. Berlin-based photographer Kirsten Zhu Pan tells us more. Hotel photography is so bad when people have a weakness for the style of stock photography because you can see through the fake aesthetics within a second. This is a visual standard and if you would like to sell a unique experience, why using a standard visual language? That was interesting what you said in your talk earlier. Exactly, you said there's nothing standard about you or your hotel, so why use a standard language in which to tell your story, which would be a stock photo. But do you think the reason people do it is just because it's cheaper? They want to save money? Probably. And what would you tell them? When you spend all your love and passion in every detail of your hotel, there's your wonderful your logo, the interior design and anything else. So why not executing your visual communication well? Also, like interior design and every other part of the property is something one should think about well and put a lot of passion and love in. You also showed some quite, I wouldn't say necessarily bad, but quite boring pictures of, of hotel rooms. So 
should you just avoid photographing hotel rooms or you just need to make sure they're combined with lots of other interesting images? How, how would you approach that? Of course, you need images that show the room. But uh, if you try to capture a room in full, like let's say you have a bathtub, uh, you have a bed, um, you have a cupboard, but you want to capture it all and then just let the people's imagination run with it, nothing will happen because they're without life. So what you should do is just look at the details and focus on something special, play with the light. Even if there's no person in the room, something is happening and is triggering the imagination. Keep it simple, I would suggest. Try not to show everything because if you want to seduce people to come and to be your guests, imagination needs to be stimulated. So I definitely would suggest um, to play with details and to play with light and with a certain mood. That will tease people and not a room where nothing is actually happening. So I think it's like don't just show like a wide angle of a room where you could show a really nice detail of a table that has something interesting on and the light coming through the window. I'm just giving an example that may not exist. Don't shoot an object, shoot a feeling. That is my suggestion on that. And you've worked obviously with a lot of hotel brands all over the world. What do you think has been your biggest learning from that? That it sounds a little bit like you're saying you have to tell a story. Is it as simple as that? Just tell a story? Well, first, I think it's not easy to tell a story. And photography isn't simple. You don't just go there and take a camera and click. 90% of the whole thing is marketing analysis, is planning, is measuring the grounds, is looking for the light, is looking for what the whole location has to offer. So, for example, what's the local arts? What's the local food production? Uh, who are the people running the place? What's their passions and whatever? And if you have analyzed all this, you make a strict plan and execute and in between try to let go uh, because only then the visual language that you want can translate into a good image. Thank you, Kirsten Zupan there. Lastly, we speak to Matt Morley, the Barcelona-based owner of gym consultancy Biofit. He tells us about an often misunderstood piece in the hotel puzzle. Here he is. I think what happens a lot of time with gyms is that, or rather hotel gyms, let's say, is that they can be taken as perhaps not a revenue generator, perhaps not a sort of a real lead in terms of decision making by the guests. And so with a lot of hotels, there's huge amount of innovation going on with them keeping up with trends, with demand from guests in terms of new F&B concepts, often even spa concepts, but the fitness piece or the specific health piece in a hotel can often be left behind. And so the gym really gets relegated to almost sort of a, a second class citizen within the overall context of the experience. And one thing I'm always looking at is just to try and smooth out any pain points in the customer journey. So within that overall experience from the time they book to the time they leave and possibly sort of guest feedback forms afterwards, that moment in that journey where someone who typically either likes to train on a regular basis or when on holiday with extra time on their hands would love to take the opportunity to do so because normal life doesn't allow them that chance. If there is a, a moment of doubt about where to go, about what's around in the surrounding area in terms of possible running routes or what have you, if there isn't a pretty quick and smooth, seamless solution on offer that might be on site or it might be nearby to the hotel, then often it can be a, 
let's call it a pain point, but really just a missed opportunity and just one less thing that the hotel could have done to make that stay even better and, and enhance the experience for the guests. And it's that moment of, mm, yeah, I didn't bring my outdoor running shoes or I didn't bring the, the rain jacket I need because yeah, the weather's not great today and that prevents the run from happening because there isn't an on-site gym and then you go backwards to, well, nothing happens today. It's a subtle point, but just a slight sense of defeat. And I think what we're trying to do is just help people to start the day in the best possible way for them on that particular moment. And for some, that will be doing some exercise. In your talk, you showed some pictures of some quite sort of bland gyms that are in the more perhaps corporate hotels. I think the interesting thing you mentioned also is the fact that a lot of these gyms, even in smaller hotels, aren't a reflection of the fact that the gym space in lots of cities and beyond has changed beyond all recognition, be it tech or be it otherwise. So why are these gyms stuck in the past and actually not reflecting reality? So I see a a big disconnect in the hotel industry at the moment between the type of gym experience that a lot of, let's say, boutique hotel guests are used to and have become accustomed to over the last decade or so and what's on offer within the hotel, even in a lot of boutique hotels. So there's this gap, this disconnect between the reality of that fitness workout experience in a guest's home environment that they're accustomed to and what they find when they get to the hotel. Now, I think that's largely due to the fact that the gyms are not revenue drivers and therefore are often left behind in that whole process of, well, where should we invest when we do need to upgrade the overall experience and so what you end up with is a space that's typically if not an afterthought it's certainly not the primary deliverable for the architects and so it's really just a simple box they'll put in the flooring plumbing electricals the hvac and then an equipment supplier will go in and kit it out typically not leaving that much space for movement or stretching or other things because they're selling equipment and so That equipment can then really just lie there for anything from five to 10 years, unless it's updated. And again, that means a new, fresh investment going into the equipment. And so there's that moment there where a hotelier will make a decision or not on whether to bring someone in to offer some fresh ideas or to perhaps rethink things in terms of, well, what our guests, what are they looking for? Because it may be that they really don't need any machinery at all or that a treadmill and some free weights and some space to follow a yoga video, for example, might be enough to tick that box in a very satisfactory way for the vast majority of guests. So it doesn't always necessarily need to be about huge investment. Actually, there's a lot you can do with a relatively small amount of space and investment budget to back it up. But it requires a little bit of thinking about, and it's just that moment of applying some thought, applying a little bit of innovation and trying to understand what the guests are used to and then getting as close as possible to that or in fact going even beyond that with something new and fresh that that interests them. And hopefully that gym experience then becomes a selling point for the hotel rather than just literally a a box ticking exercise to get your, your five star or to become a luxury hotel. It's about, well, how can we actually add something in that aligns with the hotel's image and their brand positioning online? Yeah, I mean, you said that before, that it's not a direct driver of revenue. So I guess it can sometimes be a hard sell, if you like, to the hotel. But you were saying just then it can add 
value. So you think that, yes, okay, it's not a direct driver of extra money, but you're going to end up with potentially anyway, a whole new type of client, people coming specifically for that reason, I guess. If you do have a gym that is truly outstanding, it could be a reason for someone coming in the first place. So that's my starting principle. It's the idea of creating a gym that becomes a cooling card or that adds to the experience and that adds value to the room rate. That's your win-win solution where you're able to add something into the equation that wasn't there before rather than just delivering the lowest common denominator experience. And I think what we see in a lot of the big chain hotels without naming names, but we all know them. The hotel gym really isn't a feature at all. It's just uh, usually a lower ground space, sometimes with no natural light. So even in those circumstances where bar treatment rooms or event spaces, for example, take priority in terms of how space is allocated within the overall hotel footprint, we can still do lots. We can still do interesting things. The idea of using biophilia, so bringing the outside world in, using moss walls, using digital screens, using lighting in a, in a clever way, just to create a space that doesn't feel completely dead and soulless when you walk in, because we've all had it. You walk in, you just you look around the space, and you think, oh, it's just not happening. It's a cold, dark morning. There's no one else in the gym. It's just a row of treadmills and machines and, and you walk out again. Even I've been there. A grotty mirror, strip lighting and no one in there. Gyms are about, they should be about energy and fun and motivation and positivity. And so the space in some way needs to talk to that. And I think there's a whole generation of people coming through who are just used to and accustomed to boutique fitness. So they have their spinning studio, they have, might have their Pilates studio, yoga studio, and then they may also have either a home gym set up or a standard sort of health club and strength and conditioning gym. You know, there's just so many options out there for people today. And I really think that hotels can take a leaf out of the book of what's happening in larger cities and see that the sort of same standard cookie cutter approach is just no longer good enough. And in fact, what we're seeing is almost like a salami slicing of the market in bigger cities where... Uh, that tribe will go to that particular studio. And I think you can take some inspiration from that by really understanding who your guests are and, and what they're looking for and then really see which type of training methodologies are going to be most applicable to them. Thank you to Matt Morley for that. And that is, as we say, a wrap. So what were the takeaways from the two-day event? The words sound obvious, but they're often forgotten. Authenticity and honesty are worth so much to a hotelier. Tell a genuine story, involve the local community and embrace what makes a hotel different. People love a good story. And don't forget about the gym. Thanks, Ed. You are listening to The Menu on Monocle 24. Before this week's Dinner Soundtrack recommendation, let's get an update on what the food and drink industry is talking about. Here is Monocle's Lillian Fawcett with this week's headlines. A 265-year-old London chop house has closed, with the owners blaming a cynical and callous landlord. Simpsons Tavern in the City of London opened in 1757 and has launched a crowdfunding campaign in a bid to stay open. The owners say the business is profitable, but their landlord is demanding a nearly £400,000 lump sum of rent arrears built up during the pandemic. At Monocle, we hope the crowdfunding is successful and one of the city's most famous lunch spots can open its doors again. A shortage of large turkeys has put American Thanksgiving dinners in doubt. An outbreak of bird flu and rising prices for fertiliser and fuel will likely mean fewer birds at higher prices. Other Thanksgiving staples like potatoes and butter have also got pricier. 
Restaurants in Sydney are sourcing their herbs and microgreens from a farm in an underground car park in the city's Harborside Business District. Chef-turned-farmer Noah Varin grows 40 plant species in a vertical farm, where crops have grown in vertically stacked layers. He launched his business Urban Green in 2020 in a bid to improve sustainability in the industry. Vertical farming uses less water and produces less CO2 than traditional agriculture. Different packaging and a special ingredient could extend the shelf life of fresh pasta by a month, according to new research. A team of Italian scientists say packaging that is less permeable to air and water and the addition of a probiotic bacteria are key. Shelf life for fresh pasta is between 30 and 90 days, but could be increased to 120 with these methods. Those are the week's food and drink headlines. Back to you, Marcus. Thanks, Lillian. And that's all for this edition of The Menu. Remember that we are back with a new episode again on Friday at 20.00 London time. Meanwhile, do check out our menu spin-off show Food Neighbourhoods for great recipes. And obviously, you'll find many more reports on great hospitality from the brand new edition of Monocle magazine. I am Marcus Hippi. Our studio engineer was Callum McLean. Once again, we finish this programme with a dinner soundtrack recommendation from the Netherlands. Here are crack and Mark with Hotel Sorriso. Thanks for listening.